Hi there, my name is Insurer Premium and welcome to my lecture videos on advanced audits and assurance. Now, in this series of lecture videos, you are going to get, go through 20 models or 20 lessons. In other words, I've broken down the syllables into 20 lessons or 20 models that we will be going through in relation to that, including this introductory model. This introductory model, what I want to talk about is to discuss the overview of the syllables and then what we are going to be doing throughout the rest of the 19 models that we are going to be left with. Let me also say here that um, everything that you're going to be learning in this series of the Advanced Audit and Assurance is going to be coming from uh, the ICA and the ACCA syllables combined, but we're going to separate out the ICA and separate out the ACCA because it's actually the same thing. Uh, I'm a published author of Advanced Audit and Assurance, it's listed on Amazon, but attached to all these videos you are going to have these material, that material broken down into 20 models. So the materials that you're going to see here is the material from the book that I altered on advanced audit and assurance, which is listed and sold globally on Amazon. Now, let me also mention at the beginning that you may be working already in the audit firm or in an audit firm. And so you may have an idea about what audit is about in practice. Now, let me say here that there, are, there is an advantage of that and there is also a disadvantage of that. The advantage of being an employee already in an audit firm or being engaged in the audit field is that you will understand and relate well to everything that we are going to be doing and you will be able to flow easily with it because you've been engaged in a couple of the things there. But the disadvantage here is that you may presume that the way you are doing things, that is the same way things must be done in the exam hall. As I always say, there is a difference between studying, writing the exams, and practicing. What you're studying is not, the, it's not everything you're studying that is going to be examined in the exam hall. And what you are required to write in the exam hall is going to be different from what you will actually do in practice. Because in practice, there are a lot of real-time uh, situations that happens and the auditor must take a lot of decisions in practice. We may not be able to capture all those real-time issues in the syllables. We can't do that. So what you must understand is that the fact that you may already have been working in an audit firm or engaged in the audit field does not mean that you're going to make assumptions and you're going to uh, contradict yourself with what you have been doing and what the syllabus says you should do. So what I would advise is that you come with a clean mind, you come with an open mind instead. You come with an open mind as if you don't know anything. Empty your mind of any pre-knowledge you have of advanced audits, uh, of audits in practice and come as if you don't know anything. With that mindset and with that attitude, you'll be able to get the best out of this course and also understand how you can answer questions in the exam hall. Because in the exam hall, it is not what you are doing in practice. It is what you have to do in relation to how the syllabus has been structured so that you can score the full mark for each question. So that is what I want to say as uh, an introductory advice or recommendation to you before we begin to look at the course. Now, what you have to understand also is that the syllables of advanced audit and assurance is a real-time syllables. What it means is that the examiner is going to put you in real-time situations where the examiner will want to draw your knowledge from various sources. One of the advantages of also writing advanced audit and assurance is that 
we are going to be looking at most of the things from corporate reporting and from financial reporting so the accounting standards you learned all the accounting standards we're going to look at how we can audit assets and if you are looking at auditing assets then it should be strong in IAS 16 if you are looking at auditing tax which is a very key aspect of the job of the auditor then you are going to be strong in IAS 12 we are going to be looking at employment benefits, construction contracts, and all the accounting standards. If you are auditing financial instruments, you know that you've got to be strong in IAS 39, IFRS 9, and IAS 32. So you have to be strong in all these accounting standards. So the advantage here is that once you are taking corporate reporting, that strength from corporate reporting will help you to have an advantage easily over the advanced advanced audit and assurance because in the advanced audit and assurance a couple of issues will be withdrawn from the uh, corporate reporting syllabus also if you are engaged in the audit of a group company uh, that is consolidated financial statement then you should be able to know about issues about uh, control you should be able to know issues about related party you should be able to know issues about foreign transactions foreign subsidiary and all these things so as you will be treating all these things as well in corporate reporting when we come to advanced audit and assurance what we are doing here is okay so what is the error that accountant is likely to make in relation to an, a transaction like this then what has to be done then you'll be able to what set what we call materiality and then you'll be able to decide whether you have to undertake a full substantive testing or undertake control testing don't worry we will get into all these later on as we discuss issues about audit so in this lesson as i mentioned earlier i want to just give you an overview of the whole syllabus and what the syllabus is actually about so i have for the purpose of how i want to teach the subject and also to ensure that we understand the subject in an orderly manner i have divided the entire syllabus for into three categories so we're going to look at the entire syllabus in three different categories the first one is what i labeled as before assurance service under this segment of the syllabus we will be discussing with you or we will be discussing the various issues and consideration that the auditor must take into consideration before accepting an audit appointment or before issuing an engagement letter so before the auditor goes to start the audit in the frame or before the auditor issues an engagement letter and say that all right i have accepted the audit this is how much you're going to pay me this is when i'm going to start this is how i'm going to carry out my audit the auditor must undertake a couple of issues so there are two things we need to discuss before the audits the first one is called the audit and assurance and the second one is called the non-audit and assurance so audit and assurance simply refers to the critical analysis or examination of the financial statement of a client in a careful manner and issuing an audit report. So with audit and assurance engagement, what you're going to be doing is that you are critically examining the financial statement of the company and after that you're going to issue an audit report. But with non-audit assurance services, this is other services that the auditor may render to a client apart from auditing of the financial statement. So for instance, you are undertaking forensic auditing or you are auditing the assets or you are preparing the tax returns for a firm. These are referred to as what? Non-audit and assurance. Now, for the rest of the section A, 
of the syllabus, we will be considering a lot of the issues on audit and assurance. That is, how are we going to examine the financial statements and also issue a report? Even though later on we'll be discussing issues about non-audit assurance like forensic auditing, like audit of uh, budgeted statements and audit of assets, audit of tax and all those things later on. For this segment of the syllabus, we're going to look at the audit and assurance. Now, before the auditor is going to begin his audit work and issue an audit report, there are five things we will be considering under this segment of the syllabus. The first thing is advertisement. This refers to the awareness that the auditor creates to make services available to the public through publicity. Under this, we will be discussing the guidelines that must be taken into consideration through or during advertising. So, before you gain or you, you, a firm will call you and say, come and audit our company for us or come and audit our financial statement for us. You need to advertise so that people can be aware of uh, the business and the services that you offer. But there are guidelines to advertisement when we come to uh, the audit industry. You can't just get up and put anything out there. There are guidelines. So we will be looking at that later on as we are discussing. The second thing is tendering. Now, after advertising, the firm or our firm will be invited to meet the tendering board or committee of the clients, and there, there are some factors that must be, that need to be considered on how to prepare our tendering documents to stand out. So, under, after we advertise, a firm is going to call us, and we're going to meet the board or the committee, the tender committee. And they are going to interview us. So there are guidelines on how we are going to prepare our tendering documents. So we're going to be looking at that as well. The third thing is about quality control. This is the very key thing about audits. Now, this refers to making sure that the quality of our audit work is high, which means that sticking to the international standards on auditing. Remember, as an auditor, you're going to be carrying out your work based on international standards on auditing. And we'll be talking about quality of or quality control very soon later in the syllabus. But what you must understand here is that when we say an audit is quality, it means that we have the right uh, experts on the audit team, we have the resources, we are giving enough time for the audits to be done. So for instance, if a client invites you to audit their financial statement, and they say that they want to be listed or they want to undertake their initial IPO and so they want to be listed on the stock exchange market. So they are giving you one month to audit the financial statement. Then you have to make sure that quality control is ensured. You have to make sure that you follow the international auditing standards. In that case, that means that you're going to increase the number or the size of the audit team and you because you're going to increase the size and the number of audit team to ensure quality audit is undertaken, then you're going to be charging out high fees. In that case, you have to make sure that the team is well resourced so that if a three months audit, you will need maybe 10 people. If it is a one month audit, then you know that if you need about 20 people on the audit team so that everybody work well, then you can issue a report that will really represent the uh, uh, status or the truth and fair status of the company. You remember also at this introductory stage that the auditor is liable to the uh, 
people who rely on the audit report, especially to the shareholders of the company of the issuing of any audit report, and also any investor that comes to the auditor to ask them about their audit opinion prior before investing into the company. We will look at that later on, but what I'm saying here is that if you're an auditor, quality control is going to be a key thing that we're going to be doing. So the first thing is we advertise. After we advertise, we're going to be invited by the tendering committee or by the client firm. And after that, we must make sure that our audit is going to be carried out in a high manner. The third thing is the factors to consider before we accept the client. So these are the specific factors in relation to the client we are considering. These include the industry of the client among others. So when you, before you accept that I'm going to audit firm A or audit firm B, you don't just get up and say, okay, they said you should come and audit them, so you get up and audit. No, you must look at the industry they are in, whether they are in the education industry, whether in the banking industry, whether they are in the finance industry, whether in the, in the telecom industry, whether they are in the agrarian uh, industry, you must look at the industry that the business is in and find out yourself about whether you have the expertise to audit in that industry. For instance, you may be in an audit firm or you may have an audit firm that is specialized in the finance industry, banking and finance industry. As such, when you receive a client that is in uh, an education industry, you have to be careful because you may not have the expertise there. So you must look at the industry that a firm is having. Then also other factors include considering issues about the management of the organizations, looking at the accounting system, the accounting standards they are using, even the auditor, if it is not a first time audit of the firm, and they have already had an auditor or some external auditors and they are now employing you as the new auditor, then you have to consider why that auditor left. You must communicate with that auditor seeking permission from the firm. Now, we'll be looking at all these later, but I'm trying to give you a glimpse of what a journey is going to be like in relation to the factors that we will consider before we audit a firm. So, you have to seek permission from the client's company and tell them that, hey, I, know, I want to speak with your uh, previous auditors. Can I speak to them? If they give you a go-ahead to speak with them, then you write to the previous auditors and ask them, what it is that, why did you leave that company? Okay, we left because it was time for us to leave. We left because they were not allowing us to do our work. So the feedback that they, that auditor who just left, the outgoing auditor who just left, will give you, will determine whether you're going to accept that audit or not accept that audit. Now, if the client's company refuses to give you the contact or to allow you to communicate with the outgoing auditor, then you have to be on the lookout that something is smelling. So you, there, you may decide that you are not going to accept that audit. So we must consider also whether that outgoing auditor has been settled well. They are not owing them. They have undertaken their job and there is no conflict between them. You, are, you have to make sure because if you don't look at a past event, that same thing is going to happen to you and that will affect the reputation of the audit firm. You will remember or you will note that there are a lot of arguments in relation to these big audit firms in India, uh, in America, a lot of issues about them. So they, their reputation is on the line. So they are ensuring, you have to ensure that when you are engaging with a client firm, 
you've considered the factors carefully before you accept to audit the firm. Then also, the factors that you must consider would also relate to how much they are offering you. The price for the audit, you have to be careful about it. So if it is a normal audit and the management is trying to offer you about an amount of money that is greater than about 15 or 20 percent of the industrial average, then you have to be careful because something may be smelling in the financial statement. Why? Because there is a standard rate that is paid on the average to each audit firm or to classes of audit firm. Firms, but depending on the work, we may increase it slightly. But if the figure is being increased over and above, so for instance, if normal audits of firms like that, we would charge maybe five million dollars, and the firm company is giving us eight million dollars or nine million dollars, or they are ready to pay ten million dollars for just the audit for the same period then you have to be careful. Why are they offering us big money? That may impact and uh, be a threat to our independence as auditors. So we must be on the lookout on these factors when before we take the decision to accept the audit of the client's company. As I mentioned, all these things, we'll be going through them later, but you need to have the nuggets at the beginning so that when we are offloading them, in, the, in each of the modules, you will be able to relate to it very well. So when we advertise, we undergo tender, we make sure we control the quality of the audit, then we need to consider some factors before accepting the audit. The next one is to talk about ethics. This is very, very important. So this refers to the International Federation of Accountants, that is the IFAG codes of edits that we must consider before accepting the audit. Remember, the IFAG codes of ethics integrity, objectivity, professional due care, all these things, we will be looking at them, confidentiality. You have to consider this IFAG ethics as an accountant because these are the things that are going to what? guide you in the acceptance of the audit. So for your independence, if you realize that there is a threat to your independence, for instance, you have a close relationship with the member or with uh, the accountant or with the management of the company, then it will be good that you will not be on the audit team or if you have to be on the audit team then you will not have to or you will not accept that particular client. So it, we will talk about issues about ethics but it, is play, it plays a key role in the work of the auditor. And the last issue that we will be talking about is money laundering. This is a very important issue which will involve how organizations or individuals get money through illegal or criminal means. So we have to also consider whether the company is quote-unquote engaged in any money laundering issue. Are they making some money illegal means? Is there any issue about them concerning some illegal activities that they are undertaking before you accept the audit? Before you accept the audit. So these are the things that we will be discussing in further details before accepting the audit. Right. So if we check about uh, the issues and we realize that, all right, we don't have a problem, they are in the industry that we have expertise in, we can ensure that quality can be followed, there is no threat to our independence as auditors, and we are going to follow the audit uh, uh, principles of the international auditing standards, then the next thing we do is to undertake the audit. So we're going to accept the audit, issue an engagement letter, then we begin the audit. So the first aspect is about what we do before the audit. The second aspect of the syllabus which you'll be looking at is 
what we do during the audit. So, so B is during assurance services. So this is a very important section of the syllabus and we will be doing a lot here. The reason is that most of what we are going to do as auditors in practice or in the exam largely depends on how we understand the segment of the syllabus. There are three major things we have to consider here. So during the audit, this is where the deal is. Okay, so this is where we're going to audit the financial statement, audit inventory, audit all assets, audit trade receivables, audit uh, everything the liabilities of the company, audit the contracts of the company. If it is a group of companies, we're going to audit and consider the audit from the other subsidiary firms. This is where the deal is. So during the audit, remember that the auditor needs to gather audit evidence before you can issue an audit report. So the process that is going to be involved in gathering this audit evidence is what we refer to as the audit procedure. So in gathering the audit evidence, you're going to undertake what we call the audit procedure. Now the audit procedure is divided into a lot of things that we can talk about, but generally we said it is A, E, I, O, U. And this is analytical procedure. This is um, analytical procedure. E, it's going to be inquiry. That wanted to escape me. Then inspection, then observation, and then recalculation or reperformance. So you're going to be undertaking these things so that you can gather your audit evidence. Now, during these things that you'll be looking at them later on, but during these things that you'll be doing, you'll be carrying out substantive testing. You'll be trying to test whether things are working well. Analytical procedure has to do with comparing the financial statement to the budget and also to the past year so that you kind of find out the trend in the financial statement. Inquiry has to do with asking board of directors, asking employees how things are done in the organization. Remember, as an auditor, you must always come with what we call professional skepticism. What it means is that you must have a question in mind. You don't just take things on the face value. You come and they tell you the inventory is $1,500. Why is it $1,500? You must have a question in mind because that will help you to probe into the issue with inquiry, with inspection of documents, and sitting down and observing how things are done within the organization, then you need to recalculate to see whether the depreciation was correct, whether the uh, lease amortization was correct, whether the provisions they've made in the financial statement are correct. So you need to re-perform all the things that have already that has already been done in the financial statement. So these things you're going to be undertaking to help you to gather. And audit evidence. Now, the audit evidence is what is going to help you to issue an audit report. So the audit evidence is going to help you to issue an audit report. The audit evidence here must have two characteristics, okay? Uh, the audit evidence must be sufficient so sufficient simply means that the audit evidence must be enough, alright? And then the audit evidence must be what? reliable also in relation to that. So you don't just gather any audit evidence, but the audit evidence must be quality, it must be reliable. Now we'll be going through all these things later on, but I want to give you the tip, the, the tip of the iceberg that during the audit, 
this is the thing that you're really going to be doing as an auditor and this is what the examiner is going to be asking you so the examiner will ask you what audit procedure must you undertake in order to audit tax what audit procedure must you undertake in order to audit uh, property plant and equipment what audit procedure must you undertake in order to audit trade receivables what audit procedure must you undertake to ensure that the computer or the accounting system working in place is uh, uh, in the organization is working well so all these things are solid questions that the examiner is going to ask you and in carrying out all those things you're going to be undertaking audit procedures and you're going to be undertaking what we call substantive procedures as well and we're going to be looking at all these things as we continue so there are three things that we will be discussing here that is the audit of a single company financial statement so it's a one company an educational institute or maybe a university or maybe just a bank and we are auditing them so it's not a group of companies that is the first level so this involves how the auditor can audit the financial statement of a company so remember there are six stages of auditing financial statement and you must remember you are your accounting standard so you must remember your accounting standard here so six stages involving auditing one signing the contract or issuing the engagement letter two planning the audit so when you accept that we're going to audit your financial statement the second thing you do is to sit down and plan your audit this has to do with how you're going to carry out the audit when you're going to carry out the audit who are going to be on the audit team then uh, when you're going to issue an audit report when you're going to undertake uh, uh, events after the reporting period so that is the second stage you're going to plan your audit very well because remember you can't do anything without planning after you plan the audit, third is to look at the audit procedures that you're going to be undertaking to audit the financial statements of the company. Then you need to also ask yourself about any substantive auditing that you'll be taking, whether you'll be looking at testing of the control systems or you'll be taking a full substantive testing of the company. For instance, if you have already audited the company, then you may have an idea of the systems in place, the accounting systems in place. As such, you would know that, okay, this accounting system is good. Maybe the inventory control cycle is good. Maybe the sales cycle is strong, but there is a problem with the payments or the payroll cycle. So you know where the strengths are. So once you know where the strengths are, in the next uh, uh, audit, you may not have to do the whole thing again. What you do is to do selective, uh, uh, substantive, or control uh, audits to make sure that what you know of the organization is actually in place but if you don't have an idea of the accounting system then you have to do a full substantive audit testing where you are going to audit everything every system in the organization so that you can gather your audit evidence and you can issue the report so that is the fourth thing then the fifth thing is about reviewing now, so after you've undertaken the audit procedure, after you've undertaken the substantive procedures, you're going to gather your evidence. So at the end of the audit, you're going to review what you have done. So from the review, you are now going to make a conclusion and then decide the kind of audit report that you are going to issue to the management or to the shareholders of the company. Remember, usually it's the shareholders who are engaging you when you are auditing the financial statement. So 
once you review your audience okay we did this we did this okay check to see if what was done there was right so we do some cross review in practice what happens is that we do some rotational review so if i was the one who audited the property plant and equipment or undertook the audit procedure substantive audit and maybe someone else undertook the contracts in the company what we can do is to let me go and check what he did and let him come and check what I did. That is if the staff on the audit team have experts in all these fields. But if they don't, then there is a way we have to bring in the senior audit manager or the audit partner so that they can review the audit to make sure that a quality audit has been undertaken, the international accounting standards have been followed, all uh, regulatory frameworks have been uh, considered in the audit, and then the same thing there is that we go to what issue the report. So after reviewing, we put together our opinions, we put together everything, then we issue our audit report. Usually there are four types of audit reports which are subdivided into two. So we have what we call, uh, we will look at the audit reports in a moment, I think in the next module, where we talk about the four types of audit reports, which is further breakdown into two, modified audit reports and unmodified audit report. Now the second thing we will be doing during the audit is when we are auditing a group uh, company financial statement. So this is where we draw knowledge on corporate reporting. The additional accounting standards to follow will be IFRS 3, business combination, IFRS 10, control definition, IFRS 11, joint arrangement, and IFRS 12, the disclosure requirements, among others. So when you are dealing with group audits, you're going to look at this accounting standard because these are the accounting standards that is going to discuss and tell us the issues about the group company so that we can determine whether the company has control or the company has significant influence, whether the company is dealing with a joint venture or whether the company has disclosed everything that it needs to disclose in relation to the group company. And then the third thing is to consider other assurance services. As I mentioned, these are non-assurance services like the review of the cash flow forecast. So they prepare the budget or the forecast of the financial statement for the next year and they invite an auditor to come and review it because probably they are going for a loan and the, one of the requirements of the loan is to bring uh, forecast cash flow. So that forecast cash flow may have to be audited. Now, the bank may invite you as an auditor to come and audit that forecast cash flow or management by themselves may invite you to come and audit it to see if it's really reliable and can be used to go for the loan. Next is also about forensic auditing. This is an assurance service where the client's management realizes an issue of fraud and employees us to investigate through it. So with forensic auditing, there is an issue about fraud, embezzlement of funds, missing of money, then you're going to be invited to come and investigate to find out where the hell the money went to and who took the money. And so that is about forensic auditing. The third thing is about social and environmental audit. This is where we're going to incorporate social reporting and environmental reporting into the financial statement. And we're going to audit to see if it actually reflects the state of the company. Then the next thing is about due diligence review. This is where the company would want to find out to see if they are adhering to control standards, the issues about environmental report. So due diligence review, you may be invited to undertake this also there. 
Then also public sector audit is going to pay, play a key role here. The new syllables that the ICA Ghana is bringing, uh, they are taking this part of the advanced audit and taking it to level two uh, audit and assurance so that, sorry, in level two public sector so that they can make it the public sector and assurance. So this whole chapter is going to be lifted from the advanced audit in the new syllables to uh, uh, um, level two. And so, but we're going to be considering it here for this examination setting in relation to that. Then other audit service may include, maybe you come and audit their IT system, their accounting system, uh, they are using computer assisted uh, audit techniques here so that you can audit and see whether the company systems are working well and they are operating well. So that is the second aspect. The first thing is what we do before the audits. The second thing is what we do during the audit. Now the third and the final aspect of the syllables is where we will talk about current issues. The current issues here we're talking about here will include the future or what we call the hot topics on the audit profession. The first one is the changes in the audit reports. The audit report has undergone a lot of changes and so the recent or the new audit report that is being prepared are different from the audit report that have been prepared some years ago. So the changes in the audit report and how the things are supposed to be arranged, we're going to be discussing that one under current issues. Then issues about joint or transnational audits. So this is where you're going to be taking, you're going to be talking about multinational company audits and how you're going to audit their financial statement and undertake the audits there. So these are the three segments of the entire syllables that we'll be going through. And as you can see, we are covering everything. We are covering everything. Where are you going to pass? Now, where you're going to be passing from will be the section B aspect. Because a lot of, about 80% of your questions is going to come from the section B aspect. What you do during the audit. So, issuing the engagement letter, planning the audit, undertaking the audit procedure, undertaking substantive procedure, reviewing the audit, and issuing an audit report. So these six steps are what you are going to be doing in practice, actually. These six steps are what you're going to be doing in practice. Aside taking into consideration the factors, 80% of your questions in the exam or from advanced audit and assurance is going to come from the section B aspect of the syllabus. So I want you to stay glued and make sure you understand these audit procedures. Make sure you understand how we gather audit evidence and make sure you understand what substantive audit is about. And we will come to the current issues. It's not a big deal there. We're going to be discussing there. But a key aspect also that you must focus on is public sector audits. Always the examiner is going to bring some question from public sector audits from there, which is also in the section B of the syllables that I have divided. So these are what you're going to be doing and these are how we're going to carry out the audit. Now, so what is the objective of the syllables? What is the objective of the ICA syllabus? So on the successful completion of this paper, candidates should be able to, so I'm quoting this directly from the ICA syllabus. One, Recognize the legal and regulatory environment and its impact on audit and assurance practices. Two, demonstrate the ability to work efficiently, sorry, effectively on an assurance and other assurance engagement within a professional and ethical framework. Three, assess and recommend appropriate quality control policies and procedures in practice 
management and recognize the auditor's position in relation to the acceptance and retention of professional appointment. I think this is the, the, the C it's one of the key aspects. Your ability to assess and make recommendation and also to determine your position whether to accept an audit or reject an audit uh, appointment. Very important. Identify and formulate the work required to meet the objective of audit assignment and apply the international auditing standards. E. Identify and formulate the work required to meet the objectives of non-audit assignment. And then F. Evaluate findings and results of work performed and draft suitable reports on assignments. So when we say suitable reports here, we are talking about both when you undertake assurance services and then non-assurance services because on all these, you're going to be issuing audit reports. Just that one, you'll be going to issuing what we call audit reports. The other one, you're going to be issuing what we call the negative report. Sorry, positive reports and negative reports. Now, the positive reports read something like this, that the financial statement prepared represents the true and fair nature of the, or the true and fair view of the company. But a negative report will take this from that. Nothing has come to our notice to believe that the financial statement or the uh, statement audited contains error or blah, blah, blah. So we're going to be losing or looking at these positive uh, assurance and then negative assurance. Then also, during issuing your audit report, you must consider other factors here also. Remember, the report you are issuing is not an absolute assurance. Rather, it is what we call the reasonable assurance. Why do we use the word reasonable assurance? Because it is based on the judgment that you're going to use. For instance, if you are doing making an inquiry, the questions you may ask on inventory audits may be different from the questions that I'm likely to ask. And it will be different from because maybe the situations and then my level of understanding of the cycle and your level of understanding is going to be different. So the audit we are undertaking is going to be based on judgment. We're going to be using judgment. We're going to be using judgment. We're going to be using judgment. So the audit report we are issuing is not actually the absolute audit report. In other words, that is not really the true picture. That may not really be the true picture. But it's a reasonable report based on the audit that you have gotten, which is based on the judgment you applied during the audit procedure and the substantive procedures that you undertook. So this is what it, this is very very important in the job of the advanced audit. Then the last one is to understand the current issues and developments relating to the provisions of audits and related services. So these are what you must understand, and these are the overview of the syllabus. So in the next 19 modules. We're going to be discussing and going through these three things. What we do before the audit, what we do during the audit, and then the current issues that must be discussed in relation to the audit. Let me also conclude by saying that you must understand that what we're doing here is going to be a lot of technical. It's a technical subject. Advanced audits, it's not, uh, you know, the level three papers are all more practical and very technical subjects. And so you must make sure that you understand each of the procedures that are going to be laid out, each of the discussions that are going to be made, so that you'll be able to accurately suggest and make suggestions in the exam Remember, I am not interested in your ability to audit in the audit firm. 
I am not interested in that. My objective here is to prepare you for the exams because we are not focused on what is going to work, happen in the workplace. We are focused on what you must do in the exam hall. So it is not about what you are doing in the workplace. It is about what you must do in the exam hall. So everything we're going to be doing here is geared towards the exam hall because when you are able to pass the exam, when you go to the practice or you go to the workplace, whatever that is being done in practice, then you can guide yourself with this principle, then you can decide what has to be done actually in practice. But my objective is to prepare you well, write the exams and pass excellently. My objective is not to prepare you so that you can audit the financial statement. No, when I prepare you well, you excel in the exam, then you can as well excel in the workplace. So that is what you must understand when it comes to model one and discussing about the overview of the syllabus. So I'll see you in the next model where the real journey begins.